Welcome to the This Is Us Sober podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Steph. We're two women from opposite sides of the world who found each other in sobriety. Yeah, we want to create a community and culture where sobriety is something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. Please join us every week to hear our take on all things sober. You are not alone. Let's make sobriety the fun choice. Absolutely. But if you're experiencing side effects or issues with your drinking that are putting you in danger or seriously impacting your life, please seek professional advice. We're not professionals. Steph and I are just two people with a story to share and a message to spread. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, Sarah. Hey, Steph. How are you? Good. How was your weekend? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, Pretty chill, really. Played some netball, hung out. Um, yeah, got a little sad. We had to say goodbye to one of our dogs last week, which is yeah. really sad. So we've been a little down in the dumps around here. But, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I didn't drink. Yeah. Yeah. Silver lining there, I guess. Mm-hmm. A hard situation. And that's a hard one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same for me. I didn't do much, but uh, relaxed and chilled. I've got family coming in town this coming weekend. So I needed some downtime. Yeah. Yeah. I needed some downtime before that. And yeah, it was, it was good, but um, yeah, I guess we should get, get going on the topic today because I'm really excited about this one. Me too. Me too. What are we talking about today? So today we are going to ask the question, is alcohol a drug? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's um it's kind of controversial qu- controversial question I feel like because although it kind of seems like the answer is obvious, society I feel has really blurred that line for some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So before we get started, we need to talk about our days real quick. Mm-hmm. I am at two hundred and thirty nine days sober today, and Sarah, you are. I will forever be jealous of your number. I'm 143. <laughs> um, but yeah. Something to no, be proud no, of. No, no uh, breaks in sight. I'm going strong. Yeah. Yeah. Still something to be proud of. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So I guess I wanted to start with kind of thoughts about alcohol being a drug and... Um, Let's start with when we were drinking. Mm. So, because I I felt very strongly about it, so I'm interested if you did too. Mm. Did you believe that alcohol was a drug when you were drinking? Yeah, I mean, I always knew empirically that it's a, a drug, right? Um, mm-hmm. What I I guess I didn't consider at the time is how the use of it was the same as any other drug, and the irony um, of how abundantly available it is given that's the case so you know um alcohol is essentially ethanol and ethanol is a psychoactive drug um but i think because of its ready availability you don't really put it in that in that basket right but -hmm. if you look at the reason why people take any drug it's to suppress something whether it's pain or an emotion or whatever um, and, you know, suppressing pain often leads to suppressing emotions. And I think that's maybe why there's so many issues with prescription drugs and things like that. But I know for sure for me now that the reason why I drank was 
to suppress my busy thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, I used it exactly like anybody else with a drug problem would use a drug. Um, the problem is obviously ready availability, easily easy to hide um, addictive behaviours. Caveat, I mean, I wasn't addicted. I was just very habitual, but, you know, mm -hmm. I can totally see how people can develop addictions to alcohol um, because not only is it addictive, um, society makes it so easy for you to be addicted because it's everywhere. What about you, Steph? What did you, what, what was your kind of thinking on that topic? So believe it or not, I did not believe it was a drug. Mm. Um, and yeah, I know it sounds really crazy to mm. even say that now. Um, I thought it was its own thing. Like it was kind of like not identifying as an alcoholic, like we talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. I didn't identify alcohol as a drug. Alcohol yeah. was alcohol. Drugs yep. were drugs. Okay. And it was just, and I think it was just how I, you know, made that okay in my mind that I was mm. drinking. And I have kind of a story that goes along with it. When my daughter was about 11, she came home from school and we were sitting in the garage with some neighbors drinking like we always do. And did. she comes up, you know, did, I shouldn't say do. I know it's really, it's, it's still it's 200 and, 239 days later. Let me tell you people, sometimes you still identify that way when you've done it for so long. But anyway, so yeah, she comes home from school and she's so cute. And she's like, you know, we all have our beers or whatever. And she says, you, you guys are doing drugs. And I just looked at her and I'm like, what are they teaching you in school? Like, this isn't a drug. I was very offended, of course. Yeah. You know, as, you know, you would be when you're drunk and not in your right mind. But yeah, so I honestly, as crazy as that sounds, just never thought of it that way. Um, but, you know, a drug, like according, I was like looking, doing a little research for our pod today and uh, the definition of a drug, according to Wikipedia, which you, know, you got to go to Wikipedia, um, a drug, yeah, a drug is any chemical substance that causes a change in an organism's physiology or psychology when consumed. Mm -hmm. Drugs are typically distinguished from food and substances that provide nutritional support. Well, mm -hmm. that alcohol fits that mm -hmm. description. So well, I'm in there about, it is. 100%. And in just about every country, certainly Australia, I imagine it's the same in the US, um, alcohol tops the list of harmful drugs mm -hmm. um, yep. because obviously of its ready availability and we won't even go into the reason why that is and the taxes that are collected. Um, yep. Here, I think actually on that subject, the, um, the healthcare cost um, I'd love to know um, what the impact is on the healthcare system as opposed to what's collected in tax. It must be that it's weighted in the the taxes' favour, mm -hmm. otherwise obviously a reckoning would happen. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a drug. Um, it um, affects the way you think and process information um, and the way you communicate. Uh, and, you know, they're all the hallmarks of, of what what drugs are, but you're totally right. Society has completely made a distinction between the two. And it's almost like mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I don't eat many meats. It's a similar kind of thing to me as the way people talk about beef instead of eating a cow. Like, you know, we talk about alcohol, but not a drug. Do you know what I mean? It's like these distinctions we make to make things that feel uncomfortable, more comfortable. Right. Yeah. Um, So a couple other statistics here that I find very interesting and we can talk, you know, we are both from different countries and so things are a bit different, but a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. too, as you and I have found even just communicating with each other on personal levels too, some, Mm. some similarities, but um, so an estimated 95,000 people die from alcohol related causes annually. And this is in the United States. And then an, an estimated 30,000 people die from all other drugs combined. And that, Can you say that again? Yes. 30,000 people die from all other drugs combined, wow. but 95,000 people die from alcohol-related causes. Get out. And, yeah. And oh. that makes alcohol the third leading preventable cause of death in the United States. The first preventable death is tobacco. The second is poor diet and physical activity or, you know, physical inactivity. And then the third is alcohol. Interesting, isn't it? Because one of the reasons for physical inactivity might be drinking too much. So actually some of the second one might be as a result of the third one. And how many people, you know, say I only smoke when I drink. (laughs) Like, yeah, they're all yeah. kind of wrapped up together, right? I only but what eat, I also, you know, a whole packet of chips when I drink. Yeah. yeah, but what I also find find interesting about those top three, you know, alcohol really is the only one that will have those effects on you like a drug would, on top of the things that it can just do to you on a personal level. Um, you know, you don't hear about cigarettes or a poor diet ruining a marriage or getting <laughs> yeah. you into a car accident or yeah. you, you don't even get, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it's just, it's kind of crazy because, um, when you really break it down like that, it's such a big problem and it's, but it's so glam, like society has glamorized this thing to mm. be. The answer to all. Yeah, like here it is. It's so obvious mm-hmm. that this is what's going on. And but they yeah, society is society's like, oh no, have a drink. It's fine. Like you had a hard day. This will relax you. This will make you more sexy. This will make whatever angle they mm-hmm. choose to market it and and you know, make normalize. money off of it. Yeah. 100%. And normalize. Yeah. I'm I'm just having a look for the same statistics here and Um, I haven't been able to find them off the bat, but what I did find is that the number one cause of um, death is heart disease. And as we know, there's a massive correlation between um, alcohol consumption and heart disease. Um, I did, okay, this is from 2018, um, so a little bit older, and I'll try and find something newer, but we had... 
Um, so in 2018, almost 6,000 Australians died from alcohol attributable disease in that single year, one about mm. every 90 minutes because obviously our populations are so different. What What is the right. population of the US? Oh, don't don't ask me that. I, I knew know, you were going to okay. do that. I should have looked that okay, up. That's okay. Well, ours is 25.69 <laughs> million. Oh, wow. Um, and yours, I know, we're teeny tiny because when I put in the, the United States... Holy smokes, 329.5 million people. So, yeah, wow. um, that's pretty great, Gray. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're so, oh, we're so little. We're so little. So, so yeah, when, when I say 6,000, it's a lot. Um, and then it is a lot. That, um, all of the things that um, alcohol abuse contributes to, because that that's people who, you know, you can directly associate an alcohol-related death to, whereas obviously breast cancer and heart disease right. and those kinds of things um, certainly doesn't help. No. No. So, Steph, um, you know, we've talked about alcohol being a drug and, you know, how, frankly, problematic that is, but um, mm -hmm. obviously... You know, it pops up in daily life in various different ways. We're from as polar opposite sides of the globe as you can pretty much get. Yes. Um, and, you know, I've been to the US a few times, but, um, you know, that certainly doesn't give you an insight into the, the daily habits and the cultural habits. So um, from an American perspective, what does the mm -hmm. integration of alcohol look like? Like, you know, how do Americans, I guess, use alcohol um in you know their daily life celebrations commiserations etc oh yeah it's where do i start it is everywhere um i can say from a young age most americans because first of all i want to mention something else 70 percent. this is also something else i found which leads into this 70 percent of americans consume alcohol wow and that doesn't mean it's all, they're all problematic drinkers. Um, but that just means that that is how ingrained it is into our culture as mm. Americans. Mm. Um, it is, it is glamorized in television. I think about some of our reality TV shows and how alcohol is so centered a, and a part of the entertainment value of the actual show. Mm -hmm. is yeah. watching these people go out, get drunk. Jersey Shore is one of them. And mm -hmm. I will tell you, I love watching Jersey Shore. I still do love watching Jersey Shore. <laughs> Maybe to be because honest, they're all drunk and being stupid. <laughs> because it does, but you know what's kind of cool? And for those of you who do or maybe don't watch it, but um, there are a, f a couple of them now that are getting older and they have uh mike the situation is sober uh ronnie's getting sober and it's just kind of like okay they're seeing it which i love that th there's that message too me too i mean me i think too. that's huge it is huge it is huge and you know it makes such a difference because a lot of the problem i think with drinking culture is the normalization and i just wanted to chime in there as well because this yeah. is Craig, if we if we take the statistic we found earlier of the population rate in the uh -huh. US and then right. we look at seventy percent, that means that two hundred and fifty one point three million Jeez, people nice. 
I drink it. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that I, I think the culturally seeing people pop up now that are, you know. Um, celebrating the fact that they don't drink or talking about the fact that they're drinking less is so impactful. It's um, very impactful. I love that. Go Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. Yeah, actually, I do. I really appreciate that because it, that show is all about drinking and glamorizing mm. going to the club. But another way, you know, uh, 21 is the drinking age here. That's always celebrated by taking the person out and getting them completely hammered drunk. Uh-huh. huge thing to do uh-huh. I mean I remember staying up until midnight which wasn't hard to do obviously at that age so that I could like legally go into the bar at midnight on my 21st uh-huh. birthday like I thought I have finally made it like how sad is that <laughs> though looking back I have finally made it I can consume alcohol I mean that's what they've done to us though like they uh-huh. make it um that is a milestone in people's young adult lives is yeah. to turn 21 and legally get totally fucked up out of your mind. Like, 100%. Yeah. It's actually, that to- on that, that's one of the greatest regrets I have. And I know, Steph, I've talked to you about this before and it's a bit raw for me, but, you know, we're here to help, so I'm going to share it. Um, yeah. uh, Poppy, my um, 13-year-old, um, was with me. It was only this past New Year's, I want to say. Maybe the one before? No, I think it was this one. Um, and we were down, we have a little lagoon and we were stand up paddleboarding and dueling, doing all our things. It was Australia Day, actually. Well, oh, God, I've got to tell you about Australia Day. I'll hold that thought. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> um, we were down there and I had these um, pink gins mm-hmm. and um, we were having a great time and I was with my best mates again. It'll always happen. Shout out to Dubs and Leah. And... Um, uh she asked for a sip and I was like yeah you know no worries from that day on she will tell me even though she knows that I find it deeply problematic maybe because she knows I find it deeply problematic she will talk about how she wants to have a pink gin on her 18th birthday she's like I love them I'm so excited and now she's taken it to cruises and blah 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 I can't reverse that but of all of my parenting fails that's the one that Mm -hmm. I think Oh, I could, I could have erased that, you know, that I've put a memory in her, you know, memories, some stick, yeah. some, some don't, and you do. never know, but stuck a memory in her head that now her 18th birthday, because 18 is the drinking age in Australia, yeah. is the time where she'll get to have her own pink gin. It sucks. Anyway. It sucks, but I think there's a lot of time between now and then, and you're setting such mm-hmm. an amazing example that um, maybe she will have the the pink gin, but it'll be in a different mm-hmm. light. Like she'll be doing it for a different reason mm. and it won't be problematic because she'll have mom's teachings and <laughs> all the things that you've yeah. done. Yeah. In the back yeah. of her mind, you know, like He's hoping. Yeah. yeah. Look, you're right. I mean, you can't take it back. So there's no point you in can't. lamenting, but it is one of those well, things where it's like, oh, you know, they're so, so, um, uh, they pick up everything and they uh, do. Yeah. Could have done better well, there. I can share a similar story um, with Adeline, and it was <laughs> kindergarten. 
so this, I mean, she wasn't even, I mean, she's five. She had head lice, head lice uh-huh. for the second time. And my daughter has a lot of hair It's and it's fine, but a lot of it. So head lice loved her hair. And so I'm drinking a beer. I'm sitting on the toilet in the bathroom, obviously like on the toilet lid. Like I'm not going to the bathroom. I'm sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I have a beer <laughs> on the sink. <laughs> yes. I don't want this visual to go sideways. <laughs> And then she's sitting on the floor and she's crying and I'm using that little comb on her hair and I'm crying and I'm drinking a beer and I hand her the beer and I say, take a sip. This will make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've all done it. And this so. is like a very vulnerable story for me to tell, but I yeah, feel like, to tell. I feel like th- I'm not the only one. You just shared one and oh, look, I know I'm not the only before. one. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's where it backfired on me. A week later, they do star student in kindergarten class. Oh, Blake no. and I get invited to come because Addie was star student for the week. So she gets to do this little presentation at the end of class. Oh, and God, all, her little, all her little friends are sitting Indian style and cross-legged and just sitting there looking up at her. And they did a little Q&A after she said, and they go, so what is your favorite thing to drink? And she leans forward and they're all like looking at her and she says, well, I like lemonade and I like root beer. And then she leans way in and she goes, and sometimes my mom lets me drink beer. And then she covers her mouth and everyone's laughing. The teacher looks over at me and Blake. He's recording this and he just wants to die. The good thing about the teacher is she was very young and actually Blake and I had seen her out a lot Yeah, and she would be drinking. So it was like she, she, she was laughing and thought it was really cute. Once again, society thinks that this is okay. So I don't tell this story to brag. I tell this story to like, be like, like, nobody pulled me up on this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so crazy. And I will never forget that. And I remember Blake and I walking out of the school humiliated and him saying, I told you, you shouldn't have let her do that. And I said, I didn't even think twice yeah. about it. And that's what's sad. And that's kind of where we're at. I mean, it, it it's 100%. It you figure it's just a, an inevitability anyway, because that's just what people do when they get older. And, you know, I think yeah. before you have... Um, you know, the the revelation of how harmful it is and how un- unnecessary really it is. Um, those things just, the ramifications of those things don't seem as huge as what they do now, right? Um, so, you, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Did you get sips of alcohol when you were young? I actually, funnily, I don't really have very many memories of being young at all. I've been to therapy a lot about that. I couldn't tell you. Um, Before about the age of, uh, I want to say 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Apparently, I know we'll talk more about my um, ADHD in episodes to come, but um, disclosure, well, not disclosure, it's nothing to disclose. I have ADHD. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's really common for um, people with ADHD not to remember. But, yeah, probably Probably. I just, I don't recall. I do know yeah. that uh, it was in my household and I'm Australian and, you know, Australians are synonymous with drinking. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, what about, what about you? Were you what was your oh, yeah. situation? I remember getting sips of beer at a very young age mm-hmm. from my grandfather. Um, 
probably from, yeah, I would say maybe from my parents. For some reason, I remember it from my grandfather, but um, probably for sure from my parents too. But mostly the memories are from him. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, obviously that's, it was kind of why I probably didn't think twice about it. I mean, yeah. Well, they thought it was a kind of, right? I didn't go to kindergarten though and tell everybody. I kept it to myself. <laughs> well, you know, Addie, Addie wants to share the important stuff. You got to leave it to Adeline. She'll do it. Oh, bless her. She's, she's a bloody legend. So um, something that I'm curious about mm-hmm. is um, how you feel. So we have the, the drinking age legally of 21, but as you know, mm-hmm. and like anywhere, it happens sooner. How do you think that affects you guys having it be 18 because I mean Mm. you've got probably high schoolers that are 18 am I correct Mm -hmm. are they some of them still in high school at 18 so Uh, tell tell us a little about that yeah they are year 12 is your what's what's the last year of American school called yep senior year yeah senior year yep yeah, so actually it's a massive divide because um, unlike your school years, like you have to turn um, the age to start school, so say five, between mm-hmm. um, I want to say April to April or June to June, I don't know what it is, but it basically means that some kids at the end of school turn eight, 18, others turn 17 because it's on the other sides of the year. Sure. So I was the one that turned 17 where a lot of my friends had turned 18. Um, the, the thing is, at that stage, um, a lot of the time it was drinking at people's houses and stuff anyway because, mm-hmm. you know, bars were too expensive, so we'd preload and, I mean, I had a fake ID back then anyway, much harder now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so you certainly, you know, half of the school um, effectively would be able to drink. Um, I've never really thought of it except that obviously a lot, there's a lot of research out there to say that our, you know, our brains don't really um, stop developing until we're in our early 20s and obviously the longer you can put that off, I think, the better. Um, right. But I, I also wonder, um, you know, what university culture would be like because some of my, I'm going to be perfectly honest, some of my absolute best memories of university are... Being, I went to the Uni of Newcastle, um, you know, working class, still city. It's a little bit less so now, but, you know, basically all we did was sit on the bar on the hill and drink loads and talk about philosophy and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not saying it's great, but they're fond memories. You know, I can't imagine yes. a dry university or dry college, as you would put it. Right. Um, but, yeah, look, I think 21 makes a lot more sense. I, I think probably correct me if i'm wrong people are drinking before then generally anyway but oh, yeah. not able to For go sure. to bars yeah kids find mm-hmm. a way um yep. but yeah look i think the longer you can put it off the better for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the problem is though at that age you just don't have the wherewithal to put it off mm-hmm. you know you want that instant gratification you want to Mm-hmm. do it right away you want to yeah it's just like I said and even with here it's just so celebrated to turn 21 mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah oh, 18 is the same um yeah yeah it's uh you know free free drinks at the bar kind of thing everybody's shouting blah 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 yeah um, shots. But, you know, it's <laughs> yeah shots all around um when I was doing research for this actually though um I was reading some Australian Bureau of Statistics stuff um, 
And whilst the pandemic has meant that um, the proportion of Australians drinking has gone up 4%, so it was, uh, so in 2021, um, there was an increase of four points in the proportion of Australians drinking alcohol. So it was 13.9 million at 69.7%, so pretty much the same as you. However, um, uh, what have we got here? I put it down here. Yeah, um, alcohol consumption in Australia has actually, but before that, I don't know if this changes it, but still, um, had been reaching its lowest point since the early 1960s, declining steadily since the mid-2000s, and that's largely being driven by youth. Um, which is really exciting. That's so this is, fine. you know, census, like Australian Bureau of Statistics data in controversial, in, you know, in what's the word when you can't contravene something? I don't know, whatever. My vocabulary is escaping me. It's, um, it's fine. <laughs> but I certainly see that. You know, I work in an ad agency with younger people um, and whilst a lot of them really like to go out and get on it, it's not all of them. There are some of them that just don't drink and it's not a thing. When I was younger, it would have been like, you what? You don't drink? Like, crazy, right? right? But um, the relationship with alcohol, I think, is changing and people are slowly drinking less. And, and I, I do see it in, you know, in younger people. I think the focus on wellness and health and fitness and all of those kinds of things that's maybe mm -hmm. being driven through social media and all of that kind of stuff, I think it's having an impact and um, I'm here for it. Yeah. And and that brings up another point. Um, and I would love to hear your take on this. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, my bestie, Yvonne. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Yvonne. Shout out, Yvonne. <laughs> uh, we went and got pedicures today and we were talking um, about the podcast. She listened to the first episode. But anyway, we were kind of talking about different topics and things that could be discussed. And one thing we were talking about, which kind of ties into this, I, t I told her, I said, did you, do you notice that smoking, and I don't know how it is over there, smoking mm -hmm. is just kind of like dying out. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like there's a whole generation of people younger than, than I am um, that just is appalled by it. Now, mm -hmm. I know vaping's a thing, and I know mm -hmm. that might be That's just kind thing, of what, it? yeah, it is a thing. Um, but I also feel, though, so there's like, the vapors that don't do that didn't do the smoking they did the vaping and now you've got my daughter who's like 14 coming into high school and her and a lot of her friends are totally against the vape mm -hmm. i mean she wears this sweatshirt that says frick vape and oh, some, of you might, some of you might some of you might know what that is does it say yeah yeah it says word? nope it says oh, frick so she can get away with it. She, I, I don't it. know. There's some YouTube influencer that it's part of his merchandise. But I'm like, oh, hey, if it. these are the type of people you're following, I'm here for Goodness, it. Like, yeah, hundred percent. I, I feel like our generation seeing what smoking did to like our parents in that generation. It aged their skin. It was causing cancer. It was causing lung problems, breathing problems, just all the things. And now that there's come the expense. It. And the expense. And I was telling my friend Yvonne, I said, I feel like there's a generation that's going to start looking at us and being like, you guys look haggard. Quit mm -hmm. the binge yeah. drinking. Quit drinking so much. Like, cancer is up. I mean, mm -hmm. alcohol 
increases, I think it was like, is like 45%, 35 or 45%. Sorry, I don't have the statistics. You can look it up for sure. But somewhere in there um, increases your risk of getting cancer in the throat, esophagus, stomach, um, colon. Everywhere the alcohol touches as it enters and exits your body, it is going to increase your chances. Yeah. And how many people know someone who's affected by cancer? It's just oh, rampant. So and I just, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't have anything in front of me here to like connect the dots and say that it is from alcohol, but why would you Tim's risk fight. that? <laughs> why would you, yeah. Why would you, if something like cancer runs in your family already, why would you just push it even farther with alcohol? So I've just looked I, up the statistic here. Did you? And, Thank um, you. To your point, this is Australian data, but um yeah, three and a half thousand cancer cases could be directly linked as caused by alcohol um, each year in Australia. Seven types of cancer are linked to alcohol um, and one in three adults in New South Wales. Also, that's just in New South Wales. That's just in my little state. Um, okay. But yeah, I'm going to continue um, looking for this statistic about the esophageal because that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so let me look while you chat. Yeah, I, re that. I read that somewhere. And, and of course, you know, I, mm -hmm. I've read a lot of literature since getting sober. And so it's all meshed into one bit of information in my head. But, mm. you know, it's just I feel I, I do feel like people need the sober community, especially we really need to keep talking having these conversations yes. and yes speaking to it because this younger generation even though they're teenagers and we might sometimes feel like okay yeah they're not listening to us they really are and they're really paying attention mm. and mm -hmm. you know if they can learn from what we're doing and learn from our mistakes i just i think it would it really would cause a huge shift like it did with with cigarette smoking Absolutely. And and I think not just from a, a physical health standpoint, but from a mental health standpoint as well. I mean, we talked yes. in our last episode about how, um, you know, we've really had to learn how to process emotions and how to um, sit with awkward feelings because we've suppressed them since a really early mm -hmm. age with alcohol. Um, and I think the, the opportunity for younger people to be able to manage their mental health, um, and, um, soothe those feelings and, you know, work on those things from an early age yes. that can, you know, really, um, improve the way they, they, process challenges it can mm -hmm. only have a positive impact on mental health i mean if you're outsourcing your um, ability to cope with life to a drug mm -hmm. um, is it any wonder that so many people are experiencing mental health issues i mean mm -hmm. if you don't mm -hmm. process the problems of course the anxiety will come and as we know anxiety yes. is a thing 100 mm -hmm. <laughs> percent lived it in fact, way too long yes steph um you're actually i think that's a really good one for you to take on because i know that anxiety and maybe explain mm -hmm. what that is but i know that that would particularly played a role for you yeah so it's crazy looking back on it because I it took me a really long time to finally connect those dots that mm -hmm. the anxiety that I was drinking to relieve 
was caused by the drinking. Mm -hmm. And so I have actually a whole blog post that I wrote, you know, which came first, the anxiety or the alcohol. Mm -hmm. And um, because I had my first major anxiety attack when I was 25. And at that point, I had been drinking for 10 years. And um, Mm -hmm. I hadn't been drinking a lot compared to where I ended but it was enough to start triggering that. And basically what happens is the alcohol is a depressant. So it's just, it's going to just, it's going to bring you down and your body always wants to be at homeostasis. So it will give you this shot of like adrenaline and cortisol to boost that back to equal. Mm -hmm. Well, That's exactly what my anxiety attacks felt like. It felt Mm -hmm. like this boost of adrenaline. Like I felt like my skin was just coming off of my body and Mm -hmm. something was going to chase me or do something. It was like that kind of feeling when you get mammoth thing. Yeah. Like, you know, when you get jump scared and you like have that like shot, I would have that happen out of nowhere. Like a final flight kind of thing? Very much. Yeah, fight or flight for no, there was no trigger. There was no, actually the more relaxed I was, the worse it was. Really? And it would happen a lot when I was in public. I still to this day could not explain to you why it ever happened where it happened. Mm-hmm. But I got to a point where I didn't even want to go anywhere because I would just like freak out. And I suffered in silence with it for a really long time. There's not a lot of people that knew that I was having these, I would have these attacks around people and just excuse myself or just kind of like fight through it and try to not draw attention to myself. And um, yeah. And when I finally, it started to like connect, I started noticing the the nights that I drank heavier, those next days were the anxiety or anxiety was way worse. Yeah. And so that's how I started connecting the dots. Like, I think there's something going on here because medication didn't help. I've tried, I tried all the medications for anxiety. None of those helped. Um, There was a time when my doctors thought it was the birth control pills because when I was pregnant, I didn't have any anxiety attacks. Oh, and that was another, that was. <laughs> right. But I thought my doctor, instead of saying, how much are you drinking? Be serious with me right now and tell me how much have you been drinking? Which never happens. They just ask and you tell them and they're just like, okay. He never addressed that alcohol could be an issue. He thought it was because I went back on birth control pills after having my daughter, but simultaneously I was started drinking again too. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, you always look for every other possible. I protected alcohol, right? Like I protected it. I said it wasn't a drug. Yeah. There were so many things that I did to protect alcohol because I thought alcohol is helping my anxiety. So in the end, I need it because otherwise I'll be anxious. Mm, Yeah. It was just a horrible, horrible loop to be in. And I will tell you, Quitting isn't like, boom, instantly. Like if you suffer from anxiety and you think it may be caused by alcohol, I do encourage you. Like if you question your alcohol Mm -hmm. in relation to your anxiety, I do encourage you to take some time off, but you have to give it time. Mm -hmm. I, I know everyone's different. I can only speak to my experience. My experience was about 60 days. About Mm -hmm. the 60 day mark, I started noticing moments when I would normally have anxiety I would honestly anticipate them. That's how normal it was in my life. I would anticipate that rush 
getting ready to happen yeah. and it wouldn't come. It just didn't come. And I'm and how like, did that feel? What did you, what did you do? It was that? euphoric. It's mm. just like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like this, it was the alcohol. Like it, that was like the confirmation. Yeah. That was the, fi- that's like the final, like hammer to the nail, the nail yeah. all the way in. Like I'm done. Like that's it. That's no more amazing. alcohol for me. I yeah. suffered with that for 17 years, Sarah, 17 years oh, and just never even connected the dots. And so, yeah, I, I like telling yeah, I like telling that because I I know anxiety, like just being on social media, how many people do you see anxiety mm. memes all the time? Every time. I mean, yeah. it's it's rampant right now, mm. but so mm. is alcohol consumption. So, mm. Mm. And I'm really just, glad that people have started talking about anxiety um, yeah. and using that phrase for that reason, because I think, you know, you suffered with that for 17 years, mm-hmm. um, which is staggering to me, Steph, and I'm... <laughs> You know, obviously it's made you into the person that you are today and there's no point in regretting what came before, but it is True. a lot of time experiencing something that, you know, sounds, you know, deeply traumatic, um, yeah. particularly, you know, if it's embedded now in your psyche or not so much mm-hmm. now but in days. But um, I think um, we just assume because it's illegal and it's not referred to as a drug and all of those kinds of things that are oh, surely it can't be that because if it was that, then it wouldn't be so freely available. Yeah. And I, I love now that people are using that anxiety term because I think, um, you know, when you put something into the common vernacular, um, it means that um, people you know, start to appreciate and question what it is. And it's real. Like I didn't have it to the same extent that you did, but I, I am an anxious, I'm medicated for anxiety as, as it mm-hmm. is. Um, and I definitely used it for the same reasons, the anxiety, but to me it was more to slow down my brain. Um, but of course that would just mean the following day. So I might deaden my brain, um, but it just meant that it all came double fold the next day with yep. the added subtraction of not being able to really process it properly because I, I didn't have my full wits about me, which just meant I always felt like I was thinking through a dense cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and the impact that has on your self-confidence and um, being able to back yourself um, and all of those things is exponential. Like I, I, there's no possible way I could live, you know, my full you know, authentic potential when, you know, I kept disinhibiting myself and then completely inhibiting myself with anxiety. So um, I'm so freaking glad that's gone. I really am. Oh, let me tell you, it has let been. Let me tell you. Freeing, freeing. Like, I feel like I can do so much now. Yeah, same. Yeah, the sky's the limit. I mean, we're doing this, hey? Yeah. All right, Sarah, so we're talking cultural differences. Have you noticed Mm -hmm. any improvements in the way Australians are consuming alcohol? I guess improvements, better Mm. habits. Yeah, I I think I really have, and... Obviously, I was talking earlier about how, um, you know, the decline in um, drinking up until the pandemic um, was really being driven by young people. And I think that, um, you know, 
big alcohol must be listening um, and, you know, um, entertainment venues must be listening because you do see changes. Like um, I've noticed with sort of the larger pubs, I mean, it used to be that, you know, there was a, and there still is, like a pub in every suburb, um, but they were really just what we call drinking holes. Do you use that term there as well, drinking holes? Nope. Drinking yeah. hole. holes? Holes. Did you say like holes? holes. Oh, yeah, 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 I've heard drinking yeah. I thought you said yeah. halls. I'm like, no. no drinking halls. Um, I've heard that term, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people would just go and chat and throw back mm-hmm. schooners. I mean, like, you know, we've got a an Aussie cricketer called David Boone, um, uh, you know, for a long time ago. But, you know, there was this, he was celebrated because, you know, he was a pub guy and, on one flight um, going to a cricket match, he downed 52 tinnies, you know. He became folklore, you know, and oh. that was the kind of drinking culture. You know, you'd go to the pub and you'd knock back as many tinnies as you want, not tinnies, schooners as you could. Um, what are schooners? Not like that. Any, oh, schooners are, um, what, what are the standard, like what are the standard beer glasses that you have in the US? Like oh, a schooner? pints. Yeah, a pint. okay. Yeah, yeah. So a schooner is, is I think, 375 mils. It's just one down from a pint. So, yeah, in the UK they have pints as, as well. But we have schooners, middies, not so much here in Melbourne they have middies. But, yeah, so schooners, schoeys, schoeys is what we call them. Oh, it's kind of fun. Schoeys, I know. <laughs> um, but, you know, that that was the culture is you'd, you'd stand around and chat and just throw back as many as possible. But I've noticed that pubs have become more entertainment destinations now and I think it might be because people are looking for more (laughs) Mm. um so you know a lot of the the pubs will have um entertainment games um uh, meetups a little cafe in them like there's there's one in the suburb that I used to live in that has a barber in it um you know a nice restaurant uh so it's trying to attract people in lots of different ways um theme nights and stuff like that and also um certainly i'm noticing that the ability to get a non-alcoholic drink in those venues is is like five there's it would be very very rare to go to a venue now where they wouldn't at least have a zero beer um and some of them will have like a proliferation of options i mean we were up in surface paradise recently steve and i and we just wanted to go and hang out you know because people still mm-hmm. that don't drink still just want to go and hang out and watch the world go by right um yeah so yeah we found this um you know i can't remember i would shout it out if i could because it was so good it was just so so nice to go there and you know they had the balcony and um lots of people it was just a thriving pub but they had non-alcoholic beer wine sparkling and we took a deck of cards and we sat on on the balcony and we played cards and watched the world go by and drank our Mm. non-alcoholic and you know that is still an amazing experience and they facilitated that by being able to, you know, not just serve mocktails and lemonade and make me feel like I was 10, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I definitely noticed that um, and more and more and more those options are becoming available and I'm noticing that um, the non-alcoholic spirits are becoming available as well, which is great. I could order a non-alcoholic gin and tonic recently, pink gin and tonic, the Gordon's one. It It felt so special when I was out. So definitely more of that um at sporting events there's more of that as well so um and then obviously um the non-alcoholic drinks at um well not obviously but um 
at liquor stores. Um, all of them have non-alcoholic options and they're not just, you know, they're not soft drink, they're de-alcoholized, really decent drinks. Um, and look, just overall, Steph, and I don't know if it's the same there, but I just noticed that nobody bigs up excessive drinking anymore. You know, it used to be, even when I was at uni, you know, the more you could drink, the more cred you got. And it, it just doesn't feel that way anymore. Mm. It feels like if you can't hold your drink, if you go overboard, someone is likely to call you on it. Mm. And I feel like that's relatively new. Have you seen anything similar? You know, now that you bring it up, I have noticed a little bit, although I have been trying to kind of not be around the mm. people that are like, you know, excessive drinkers. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say, and we definitely are going to dive into pandemic, pandemic drink, drinking in an episode, but um, I will definitely. say that I think Huge. now that we're coming out of that, I'm hoping that the, it is starting to be a trend where people are realizing Ooh, I might have been uh, mm -hmm. hitting that a little hard during that time. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I think there might be, there might be some of that going on here as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think, yeah, it'll be interesting as we record this podcast to kind of reflect on those changes. And, mm -hmm. but it is that time of the week again, Mister. It, yeah. it um, is. Yeah. So we are finishing off our episodes each week with a recommendation. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily specifically non-alcoholic, but just something that's inspired us and got us thinking or entertained us um, during any given week. So Steph, have you got one this week? I do. So my recommendation this week is the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm -hmm. um, it is phenomenal. If you, if you were a habitual drinker, like Sarah mentioned she was, mm -hmm. um, or if you were a binge drinker like me and you're wanting to create new habits to fill in all that time that you mm -hmm. spent drinking and finding <laughs> your thing. Oh my God. That's yeah, a topic in itself, Steph. That, that I know. in the time. That's a big one. I'm writing that down. Sorry. Keep going. Especially <laughs> when I was drinking for 12 hours and yeah, like that's just insane to think about now, but yeah. So, um, yeah, I love it. I can't recommend it enough. It really, without spoil, I mean, it says it all atomic habits. It's just check it out. If you're really trying to like create in, in your sobriety, create a new routine that's going to stick, you know, like mm -hmm. there's nothing better for me. And I know a lot of people than having a, a really good solid routine to kind of keep you focused and on track mm -hmm. in your sobriety. So that's yeah. my recommendation. How about you, Sarah? Mm. Well, um, I, I'm sure you won't be surprised to know because it is one of my favorite destinations. But Steph, it's actually your most recent blog post. I, I loved oh. it. Um, it was um, the seven ways to say no to alcohol. And um, I really like this one because especially in the early days, that is such a tricky habit because you don't want to poke the beast or poke the bear. You don't want to get into the topic every time. You don't want to stand out like a sore thumb. Um, mm -hmm. So I really love that there were some thought starters there. And I, I thought it could be cool actually to, to chat about what, what ours are. And obviously in yeah. your um, in your blog, your, you say your favourite one is I, I don't drink. How yep. long did it take you to be able to confidently say that? 
I just started using that one over the summer and I love using that one, but I, mm -hmm. I have to admit, I am very confident in my sobriety. Like there has been a huge shift in the last month or two to where I do feel way more confident and I own it. Um, and not many people question you when you start getting this far, but you, there will be new situations and it was a new situation. It was people that, um, didn't know me very well. It was actually, um, I went to like a team bonding for my daughter's cheer and mm -hmm. one of the moms offered me a drink and I just said, I don't drink. And mm. it's a bit, to me, it's a very powerful statement. It's, it's mm. like you own that shit. Like I don't drink mm -hmm. and mm. end a story. Like that's, that's it. But I, I, as you will read in the blog post, I have some other ones that maybe kind of give, if you need a little follow-up, like some people feel like they have to, I know early on in sobriety for me, when I was saying I don't drink or I'm not going to have a drink tonight or whatever, I always felt like I needed to follow it up with an excuse or a reason. Yeah. And um, as you get more confident in your sobriety choice, you won't even give a fuck what <laughs> they think. You yeah. won't care to excuse yourself. It yeah. is matter of fact, this is how it is. Take it or leave yeah. it. Totally. So, totally. Yeah. And you actually take great pride in that shift. I think I did anyway. Like when yeah, you so say what, that, what you do don't you worry about the blowback. Yeah. So what do you say when someone offers you a drink? Um, I like, I don't drink as well. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but I do tend to find sometimes, um, I don't drink. It, it depends on my, my mood. Cause I can be quite an offish person. I know we yeah. probably don't seem it here, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, the conditions. You're just right warming up. To be a warm human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Normally with strangers, I'm a bit like, I'm a bit like the, the dog I had to put asleep and I attack for, no, not really, but you know, I'm like, <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, I don't drink is fine with people that I know, but I haven't seen in a while. If it's somebody I don't really know, that one can tend to lead to conversation. So if I just want mm -hmm. to shut it down, yep. I'll just say, oh yeah, no, thanks. It's not my thing. Um, mm -hmm. or, um, uh, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm doing something tomorrow or whatever. And I'll do those effusive yeah. kind of things. Um, I'll often say I don't drink and I do do a bit of justification. I'll say, oh no, I don't drink. It just makes me feel shit. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll, if, yeah, it depends on who I'm around. If I'm willing to open it up to conversation, I'll say something right. like I don't drink or, um, oh no, I stopped drinking or something like that. But, um, if not, I'll do that. I don't drink. And then a, a little justification to shut it down. Mm -hmm. Uh, what other ones I use, um, uh there was one i i have used before i just can't think of the words but um but basically it, it's a use of humor and it would be mm -hmm. like um uh no um alcohol and i aren't friends you know something like that i yeah. quite like that one as well but i yeah. i do tend to find there are still people when you say you don't drink or you know it's not my friend that think you've like been to rehab or something yeah um, and as much as i try not to care sometimes i'm a bit like Oh, I don't, you know, depends on the situation. You don't want to come off like yeah, that. So yeah, you need a few up your sleeve. <laughs> yeah. And I think it depends. Yeah. The relationship on the other end, right? Like, is it someone mm. that you really value their opinion of you or is it someone who you don't? And I think mm. once again, like I said, the further you get into your sobriety, the more confident you are and mm. you really start understanding like what people you are comfortable with having the conversation mm. with yes. and the ones that you 
really don't care to have the conversation with. And so, yeah, yeah it's good to have some in your back pocket. I like the humor, yeah. too. I have a few humor ones in that post, too, because it's like sometimes yeah. I'm like, just have fun with it. These people are probably half in the bag anyway. They're not even going to remember if you <laughs> They're going to like 20 minutes later, forget that they even offered you a drink probably. So like, and ask don't you again. take, yeah. yeah, like don't take it so seriously. Cause I mean, I'm learning very quickly. They, th as much as you want to think they're focused on it, they're really not. So, yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, I loved it. So well done. Um, we'll you. put a link to your blog in the show notes and to Atomic yeah. Habits. Um, also come and visit us on Instagram. We are at yes. This Is Us Sober and we're posting a lot. The joy of being in two different time zones is that there's one of us on, um, yeah. uh, you know, responding at any given time. So um, yeah. as always, it's been a pleasure. Um, that's yes. episode two. We'll be back next week um, with a fresh new episode. And, um, yeah. We're having lots of fun with it. So thanks for joining us. We are. We are. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Steph. Bye, Sarah. Thank you for listening to the This Is Us Sober podcast. If you know someone who's questioning their relationship with alcohol, please share this podcast with them. Nobody should feel alone in sobriety. And if you like what we had to say, please give us a follow so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you're really into us, give us a five-star review. Thank you.